0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the Filthy Lip Out Golf Podcast. It's me, Kit Alexander, John E. Morgan, who is today boasting a green beard, which looks fantastic. And it is my pleasure to say we are joined by Alison Whitaker, former L.E.T. player, now, of course, broadcaster, pundit, commentator on all things golf, the ladies game. And you'll have been hearing her lovely Australian tones on a lot of the European Tour coverage on Sky Sports Golf in recent months as well. And of course, this week, it's the first major of the season, the ANA inspiration in the ladies' game. And Ali is going to bring all of her knowledge to that. Ali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. How excited are you about this week's
1: major? Oh, thanks for having me. No, I am really stoked about this week. Um, I feel like there's kind of just been this, this little build to the season, in particular on the LPGA, Mm-hmm. And things are just coming to a really good crescendo, and I just get this feeling that we're going to have kind of an all-star cast at the end of this week, um, out at Mission Hills Country Club out in uh, what is it out in Palm Springs. It always just seems to come with a bit of a storybook ending. So fingers crossed that uh, you know the, the, the season over there just keeps trending in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loads
0: of big-name players carrying really, really good form. It's almost what you'd want it to be heading into it, all of the big names seem to have pretty close to their best games there. I mean, last week we saw Inby Park romp wire to wire at the Kia Classic as well. Um, who are you fancying for this week? What are the big storylines we should be looking out for?
1: Uh, well, I'm so, I'm so glad that you touched on the Kia Classic because for me, this, there's something about Inby Park that no one really recognises. She is one of probably the only people in golf. And I'd love to hear if you guys have any ideas on other people that do the same thing, who can come back after a substantial break and win. So she's done it twice already before this week. She did it uh, in the lead up to the Olympics. I think she took, I think it was three months off before the Olympics. She had an injured thumb at the time. She took six months off and came back to win in Singapore. I think I've got those the right way around. And, and when she comes back, there's just no rust and I don't know, and then she's done that again coming into the Kia Classic where, um, you know, she hasn't played in, th- again, three-plus months competitive golf and comes back and just smashes it. Like she didn't just win. Like she won by five. She, she had a seven-shot lead at one point in time and is so incredibly dominant. And I can't really think of anyone that is in men's or women's golf that is that good straight away after a break with zero expectations. I mean, she won a gold medal, um, you know, and she won the hardest tournament of the year in Singapore, um, debatedly, that's not a major. Um, I don't know. I just can't think of it. Like, I know that Sergio's great at coming back after a break. He's really good, um, seems to come back well rested. But to do that is, is is it's seriously impressive. And I just, I feel like she's on her own in that in that category.
2: Yeah, I would say the same thing. I, like, I, I put it down to just natural, raw talent. You know, that's what it comes down to. I think you just, you got to be gifted. Like you said, Sergio... Great example. And imagine I'd imagine someone like Sevy Balastros would have followed in his footsteps as well, being the same kind of character after a layoff for us or so, you know, he'd come back and get straight into it. But uh yeah, Inby Park, my goodness, what a talent, man. After all, it's such a long layoff. That's insane. Brilliant golf.
1: Yes. Yeah, it really is. Like you look at, you know, 2016, she, she walks away with the gold there and she's like, I want to play 2020. And so then, but then 2020 becomes 2021. And she's just like how she can still remain so relevant is, um is, is seriously impressive. So looking forward to seeing more of her uh, this week, it's a golf course. She's won on before she won back in 2013. And since then she's had, I think she's been in the top 10, like four times or something like that since that win as well. Um, and she yeah, she's just you can't bet against her, really. Uh but there's there's always something in the water out there. And you know, they talk about India, you'll hear it a lot on this coverage that every part breaks towards India. I've played that golf course. My gosh, it did not suit me at all. Not like really. really like thick Bermuda, and I grew up on the Melbourne sandbelt, and so yeah. it's just really grainy Bermuda, annoying Bermuda grass. If you don't like Bermuda, you just hate that place. Um, and it takes some getting used to. So yeah, there's a couple of uh, couple of Americans. Like we've had Jess Quarter win, Nellie Quarter, a younger sister win already this season, Austin Ernst. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a it's an all-star cast that should be uh, should be some pretty good viewing. I think it's
2: it's got that vibe on eighteen as well, isn't it? When the winner has to go into the water. I like a bit of that to be fair. I don't mind dipping myself into a lake or two.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what happens though on the 18th. Sorry to cut you off, Kit, but like it's so last year because there were no crowds, they are used to having the grandstand behind the 18th green, and it really is an island green. Like you, you know, you have to walk all the way around. There's a tiny little bridge. We actually saw some people play off the bridge in uh, the last few years, which has been very entertaining. But it they built. A backboard, essentially, last year. Do you remember that? And you know big, the controversy that it was cool, called, didn't it? Because it was just, yeah,
0: there was no reason for it to be there. Normally, it's at the front of a grandstand, and it's just this. It's like bowling with the the, the lanes coming up either side, so you can't. I need that on all the golf courses I play. I need big walls and all the <laughs> areas where I tend to hit it, bouncing it back into play. Um, Um, it caused a bit of controversy last year i mean are we is that back again this year is there a wall is there a grandstand actually in
1: place i don't know i haven't i haven't heard yet it's in california so they won't have um they they probably won't have any crowds at all or any infrastructure for the crowds they said it was because of the the sponsor boards obviously because there's so few places to put them behind but um brooke henderson ended up i think she got underneath went underneath there in the final stages. She and Nellie and, it, and um, Miriam Lee went right down to the wire last year. And um, I just remember Brittany, Brooks, Caddy and sister just like crawling out from underneath this sponsor. So I can't wait to see it. Um, I haven't heard any inside knowledge yet, but um, we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. I mean, from a golfing spectacle point of view, you've got to get rid of it, haven't you? It, it's You
0: can't be having a backboard on a, an island green of a par five that's you just can't have that and like it did have an effect last year because like you say Brooke Henderson I think smashed her ball into it like halfway up it or something and then it buried yeah. itself underneath she got a drop Miriam Lee did something similar then chipped it in mm. for the ball to get into the playoff um you need to get rid of it like John have you played any events where there have been just things in play because the Dell match play this past week just gone as well scotty Scheffler hit one down the left of I think oh, yeah. in the final and that grandstand only starts like four or five paces off the fairway he's hit it 40 yards left and drops it about three yards off the edge of the fairway because you get a free drop i always feel a bit uneasy as a spectator when you see things that are that much in play at a golf tournament and it's just a sponsor's board or a grandstand especially where there weren't any fans at the ANA I hope. September.
2: Well, I'd agree with you. i seen seen 13 at the WGC that they, you know, they could go long over the green, use the, the big, uh, you know, like you say, sponsor boards and the, you know, the hospitality tent and just fling it back off that towards the green. Crazy, really. It just makes the green 10 times bigger, doesn't it? Yeah. And your target 10 times bigger.
0: I, we're pretty much guaranteed drama at the ANA as well. I think I saw a step yeah. earlier where it's like the last seven or eight have all been either one shot win or gone to a playoff, so it's always tight. Always comes down to that 18th. You've been there and played it. What is it about that golf course and about this tournament that creates
1: that kind of drama and and keeps everyone quite close? Uh, I think it's well. To be honest with you, normally you'd kind of say it's it's the you know the the test going down the stretch, but it really is the 18th. Like so much of it has is all unfolded on 18 in, in the years. And and like you say, you know, you talk about the, the close the close wins. I think it was Jin Young-Ko won by a couple. But apart from that, I think it has all been like playoffs and one-shot, you know, differences. And I think maybe that's part of the reason. You know, you look, you're always looking for those tight finishes and it, it somehow just seems to, to produce them year after year. But I, I think that's also why we remember them. Like, you know, looking back, Obviously, for me, Kari Webb winning was um, oh, okay. one of the most iconic. Um, the oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. I'm trying to think about. I think that was back in. It was. I think I was in college, so I reckon it was about 2006 or 2007 that she won, um, and held out. And yeah, I mean, we all we all leapt up leapt up out of our seats to to see that go in. So it was just absolutely epic. But we've just yeah, we've had some really interesting stories as well. Lexi Thompson getting um, getting penalised for not. You know, putting her ball back in the right place. Um, so there's there's been a, a yeah, it's fair share of um, controversy as well. But it's just such an iconic event. It used to be the Craft Nabisco, and it's been the ANA Inspiration, I think, for about five or so years now. Um, but it's always just been part of the LPGA and 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 women's golf. Who's your
2: who's your tip for the, the folks? Own because obviously, Jin, uh, you know, Jin Young Ko. I mean, she's world number one. But I mean, you know, MB Park beat her by six shots last week and. You know, you've got to think cool, in be has got to be the one to be,
1: yeah. Well, Jin Young Ko's been rusty as well since the start, she's had uh, two top fives, <laughs> the yeah. but it's kind of two like kind that's of rusty, must- for her. Must- yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just brush that off. You can't, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see me, I just brush my shoulder, but anyway, <laughs> it's, I just forget sometimes that when you know <laughs> when, you, when you don't have a camera on you that people actually can't see you. So, there you go, there's some uh, there's you, some fill ins, but good. I don't know, I feel like for me it probably comes down to two south Koreans and two Americans mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. i would go like and i would go hard on these four it, like i feel quite confident mm-hmm. that someone out of this but i mean it's golf it's really hard to pick obviously um people that bet on the game know what that's like it is it's it's, it's a fickle game yeah, um fair. but yeah, for me, Lexi Thompson showed a lot of really good signs last week. Um, it's always a question of whether her putting's on. She, she finished second last week. It's a course she's won on. It's a course she's lost on. So she's kind of got a, yeah. a really broad history um, at the at Mission Hills. Uh, but I, I like the way that her game is trending. Nellie Korda, for me, I always think that golf course is going to set up incredibly well for her. She's got a win. She's had a top 10 last week as well. Um and she just always looks like she's going to win a, a couple of times during the year. Uh, first win on American soil as well. So I feel like she's kind of got that monkey off the back. When she's going to get her first major? It is going to happen. So it's just counting down the days, whether it's going to be this week or not, um, which I'd love to see. I'd love to see her win a major. She is such a good girl. Uh, yeah. She's so much different to Jess as well. Like Jess is kind of the, the bolder, gregarious one. And Nellie's kind of a little bit more within herself but she's, she's got such a sneaky little sense of humour and, um, and she's a great dancer, like really good dancer. She's great fun on a Sunday night. Uh, which you know I feel like people want to hear about. Um, but her Brilliant. and Megan Kang, honestly, like Solheim Cup Sundays, um, a couple of events that we've had parties on on the Sunday nights and stuff like that. Like the two of them rip up a dance floor, uh, which is really fun. They are just great girls. But um, yeah, who else? i, I mean, and I've got to go with Jin Young and Inby Park as well for obvious reasons. Um, both yeah. of them have won on the course and they're just incredibly good.
0: Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned you've been and played in that event just tell us what was that like this tournament is almost like the Masters of the Ladies game in as much as it it opens up the season um, it's at the same course every year so you know what you're going to get in that way and there's a lot of history with it there's a lot of traditions similar to going to Augusta National and the Masters so for you obviously you mentioned watching Carrie Webb win there and then you get the chance to go and play there what is that whole experience like?
1: Well, I actually I played the majority of my golf on that golf course in Q schools because oh. that was where that was actually and we played so much golf. Like that was the one thing that, you know, if you didn't get the measure of that golf course, you were you were out so quickly. You were shooting big scores. Um, it's interesting because it's a really long the way that they set it up is quite long. Uh, so it's it's up around I'm trying to think about 60, usually about 6,700, 6,800 yards, which for, for women's yes. golf is yes. a good two 300 yards longer than normal. And that's off the tips. They, you know, they, they muck about with a couple of the um, the tee boxes where they move them forward quite substantially. But everyone always goes, oh, it's the long bombers. Oh, it's long bonnets. But if you actually look at the stats, mm-hmm. it's more about accuracy. It's more about placement. You can really get caught out by trying to just get too much out of, out of your driver around that place. And, and I don't think people give it necessarily credit enough for how strategic you need to be with your second shot, which actually starts at the tee there because it just doesn't look like it. It looks so kind of boring tee to green um, that it just slips under the radar. So you really do need to, you know, you need to be a good Bermuda putter and you need to be, um, yeah, you need to be good off the tee in terms of accuracy, which is why, why I like Nellie because she's long, but she's so accurate with her driver. Um, it's a really good combination. All it's interesting to mention
0: the length of it there because I think, was it Beth Ann Nichols last week in mean, Golf Week, wrote about this balance between length on, on the ladies game because you don't see as many par fives re- getting reached into, as many drivable par fours as you do in the men's game. Obviously, there's so much debate around what Bryson's doing and all the rest of the guys. Where do you see the ladies game right now in terms of that distance debate and the way courses are set up?
1: It's I'm, I'm, you obviously don't miss much, Kit. By the way, bringing out that article. He
0: does so much
2: homework. work; it's unbelievable. Props a robot. to you.
1: I love that. No, Beth, Beth Ann's a good friend of mine. Um, I've known her since my college. You know, my college days when she was covering me in college, which is so. But now it's kind of turned into a a, a very high professional regard because she's incredible at what she does. And it, it, this story came about because her boss said, "You can write whatever you want." What do you want to write? What's the one story you've always wanted to write? She wrote this, and I think part of it has been prompted by um, so Gabby Lopez, a multiple winner on the LPGA. Her partner, um, what's his name Santiago, has been doing this this stats comparison recently mm-hmm. between the men's and the women's game in terms of proximity with similar clubs, and so it's on his it's on his Instagram. It's quite easy to find, but um, he's been looking at you know. Jin Young Ko versus Dustin Johnson and showing that there's actually very little disparity between them from accurate, you know, from accurate comparisons, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that started and lit the fire for, for Beth Ann along with, you know, a decade of plus of covering the tour. Um, but they did actually move a couple of tees up last week. So obviously the LPGA have listened, they've read the article just like you have, Kit, just like you. <laughs> And the whole tour has kind of shifted a little bit, which I heard some, um, yeah, a couple of comments from players last week saying that they were happy with the changes. But it is, it's just, it's a different game. The girls are still playing, and I shouldn't really call them girls, they're women, obviously, but they are playing the courses that they were designed, as they were designed to be played, which I actually really like. Mm. Um, So, whereas the guys were overpowering them. So I'm kind of caught in between because I'd love to have a real appreciation for how good those players are in the women's game. But I don't know that I'm ready to sacrifice course design for it. Yeah. Yeah, John, what do you think? Because I know
0: you're very much have an artistic approach to the game and you like to see the ball move through the air and different shot shapes. The men's game has moved away from that. The women's game is still there, but it appears there might be a moving away from that coming now and in the not too distant future. What would you like to see? Is there almost a meeting in the middle, if you like, that the men's and the women's game could kind of do with where we need to be on course setup?
2: I think it's a hard one, Kit, because, I mean, I remember playing when I was going back, you know, with, you know, U-grooves or whatever like that and a softer ball, you know, the shape you're able to put on the ball, the spin, you know, everything, you know, I, I'm a big shaper of the ball and I like it. I don't like things that just stay dead straight. I go out there now and it's it straight than I've ever done you know and i'm swinging it no i'm definitely not swinging it any better than i i used when i used to play i was swinging it worse but the ball goes straighter so it makes no sense it really doesn't for me anyway and you know courses that suit shape like my own course cleveland suit shape you know you've got to bend it into fairways hold the fairways you know lots of dog legs stuff like that and you know it's you know it doesn't suit a straight shot it really doesn't um I don't know if there's yeah I think there's some good good things that we can take from both tours. And hopefully they can marry it up in the middle of some stage or another. But it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you have got so many people for and so many people that are again. So you know, it's, it's, it's juggling that for me. I just don't know how you're gonna how you're gonna solve that problem.
0: Ali, we mentioned Poppy's Pond earlier. I think John brought it up. Um, for those that don't know, tell us a bit of history of why that's there, why the players jump into it when they win, because we all know it happens, but. I had to refresh my memory, actually, as to why that is the case. Just tell
1: all of our listeners. <laughs> You're probably better. If you've refreshed your memory, I feel like you should probably take lead on this because, for me, it's it's kind of always been a given. Like, I'm trying to think. You put me on the spot, and now I'm trying to think of the history of it because I've never actually covered the event, um, which, obviously, we know in the industry, if you haven't covered the event, then sometimes something slipped through the cracks. But yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just... It's almost just part of our religion, but I know that they've had to redo the pool yeah. multiple times, and now it's actually almost probably cleaner than than John's community swimming pool that he's got down the road that he uses often, um, in in his speedos.
2: Uh, <laughs> I look so good in speedos. It's a joke, honestly.
1: Mate, probably, if I did a cannonball, hey, if I did a best. cannonball
2: into that pool, there'd be no water left anyway. <laughs> well, the size of my back, though. Right? Anyway, go on, <laughs>
1: All right, keep going. So Kit, no, I want I want Kit to come out. He's done. He's got his Wikipedia page, obviously poised right. and ready to go. And so, I, I really want to hear
0: what you've got. Come on. So it was the tournament director Terry Wilcox, who was known as known as Poppy to his grandchildren. So it's like Poppy is it? Because I always thought originally it was Poppy, as in like a lady's name, Poppy. But it's not. It's a bloke who was the tournament director. Who because he was the granddad, they called him Poppy. So they named it in honor of him. When people started jumping into it and then obviously a few years ago as you say it went from being just the edge of a dirty normal pond that surrounded the green to a nice sterile concrete chlorine filled swimming pool which i think ruins it a bit i want to see it it's normal i want them coming out with like a frog jumping out a frogs spawn <laughs> <born> everywhere <laughs> and like a a it's it just it looks almost a little bit weird now as well. You've got this beautiful natural pond and then a little swimming pool and then the pond sort of continues. I say a bit up to nature, jump in, take your chances of whatever might be lurking under there. Um but it is a cool tradition (laughs) to have and it's
1: I feel like too many too many people got injured. Yeah, well, this—that
0: so was like what's under the water. Didn't Thomas Levey do that a few years ago? Broke his broke his leg. Yeah, he won like the French Open, jumped into the pond, and like did a hairline fracture of his leg because yeah. it was a bit. Yeah. So I guess that—that's the hazard when you've got multi-millionaire, multi-million dollar professional athletes involved. You can't quite be risking them doing that, but
1: it loses it loses a little bit of its sex appeal if you have to sign a waiver before you do it. Yeah. You know, like it's, just, yeah. it's not quite the fairy tale. If you've got a sign on the dotted line, then then jump in. The robes are cool though. They always get like nice, yeah. ro- cushy robes when you get out because you just look like an absolute drowned rat. But no, I'm sure someone broke their ankle. I'm trying to think of who it was. Oh. Um, the, and you and so the the ro- so what you actually have to do. It's known on tour that you have to really get in there because it's it's slightly graded, okay. and so if you don't if you yeah, don't yeah. jump in which is why people really go for it because if you're not going in you're coming down hard on the on, on the shelf which uh I, yeah it's it's not it's not the storybook ending that if, we're if, looking for if, if you were going in early what would
2: what would be your pose as you dive in what would be your pose would you go into like a buddha would you go in Ed first would you do the bomb which what would you do what would you do would you do a funny face would you do a star jump what would you do
1: I try and smile because you know that they're <laughs> going to take a shot right before you break the wall water right so and then so if you look at some of them like people are making the worst faces on the way down and that's going to be on the front page you know if if i was to win it'd be on the yeah but it probably wouldn't even be on the front page of the paper back here and be on we'd be lucky to get the front page of the sports section in australia to be honest with you i'm not sure how matt jones went two weeks ago but i'm pretty sure he slid under the radar we're not great at it all the time but um we support them Nonetheless. But yeah. yeah, I think I feel like I'd just try and smile on the way down, but it'd look pretty forced. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be as elaborate as yours, John. No well, doubt.
2: I don't know. I think I'd go in like you know, like I don't know, a same bolt or I don't know what i do. I just, you know, I think I'd do something pretty bizarre. Maybe put me my shirt over my head and just run in like I'm a zombie or something like that. I don't know.
0: I can I see know. you doing that. The shirt over the head, I can definitely see. Is it worth if you are one of the top players in the world? We've spoken about that having a little practice, like jump into your local practice practice. Jumping into. My it. schedule the week Whoa. before the air day inspiration would be like, yeah, you know, 10 to 12, we'll do our putting, then a little bit of range work, set aside half an hour jumping into the pool practice, you know, have a cat, someone there taking pictures so you can perfect the timing of it. I mean, as, you might be better off spending your time elsewhere in terms of your practice and your build up. But as you say, if you do win, that picture is living with you forever. You want to get it. That's it.
1: It's so true. Webby did a great jump as well. She really, she nailed it. Like she went in, I'm, I'm 99% sure. Like I've got this picture of her with her, her knees kind of tucked into her chest and just went for it, which was great. Cause she just kind of, she just kind of threw herself in there. But I, I did actually, it's funny you mention this. I was going to do some work for them. I think it was about two or three years ago. Uh, and just on like a side feed. And um, and I wanted to do that as a feature piece, yeah, as yeah. like a joke for social media, and and try and have the girls do it, you know, and have them yeah. talking through, you know, before talking through the, the job, job before they did it and everything. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be great fun, huh. yeah, you know, and have a bit of fun with it and that kind of thing. But um, no, it it didn't get legs. I'm afraid I, I didn't end up going that year. I got, I got a better offer better That's elsewhere. Awesome. I think I went <laughs> yeah, to India with the be. European tour.
0: That that should definitely happen. <laughs> You've also got coming up as well, obviously there's the Masters next week, but we've got the Augusta Women's Invitational, the amateur event that was introduced a couple of years ago and obviously couldn't happen last year for for everything that was going on. Obviously the two girls that fought it out there the first time, Jennifer Kupcho and and Maria Fassi, now making some serious strides in the pro game. They've wasted no time in, in getting themselves going. How big is that? for women's golf in general to have somewhere like Augusta National and obviously coming the week before the Masters, recognising it and and giving it a a place like that and giving girls the opportunity to go and play Augusta National in a tournament?
1: It's huge. Yeah, I, I think just it's the beginning. It's the beginning of people, you know, starting to starting to bring that line of thought into their consciousness when they're making the decisions. Really? Uh, it it wasn't overly, it wasn't that it was unpopular the first year, but it was just ever, a lot of people were really frustrated because the it's when it collides with the ANA inspiration, they have like the ANA has been a massive supporter of amateur golf more so than any of the other majors. Mm -hmm. Like they give invites and and they give places in this major to amateurs time and time again. And, uh, and so many of those amateurs come through the game, you know, like the majority of the girls that are, that are winning, that are under the age of 25 have, have played it as an amateur. So uh, that was a bit frustrating from a, from a scheduling standpoint. I understand why it had to happen. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, it was just so cool with, with Fassi and Cupcho, and the way that that came about, the, the manner with which it was played between the two of them, that, and they'd fought it out in college golf as well. And then for them to go there and go down the stretch. And I think Cupcho birdied, I think it was four of the last five or five of the last six holes to win. And they're such different players. Maria Fassi is very flashy and Cup Cho is going to be on the side. Sol- like, she's like, she's sneaky inside the world top 20 already. Like, no yeah. one would even know she's there. And she, I'm, I'm not in, I think, she, I don't have the world rankings up, but <laughs> forgive me for this. But... um. Yeah, she's just a total gun, but she's going to be like the constant kind of earner that will throw a win in every now and then. Maria Fassi's game is good enough to win, but it's whether everything comes together. Um, but for, yeah, for the players, it is to get the invitation. Like I know so many amateur girls here in Australia got them a couple of months ago and they were just, you know, they were so stoked because um, <laughs> they weren't sure that it was going to happen. So it's just that moment, which is similar to the guys, you know, getting that that invitation and it was no expenses spared as well. They did a massive press tour for the first one, which was great going on Good Morning America and, you know, Sierra Brooks went around and did a tonne of stuff um, in the lead up for last year and that kind of thing. So I like that they're doing it properly, which is brilliant. I mean, there's so much to like about it. Gosh, I could talk forever about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 12 definitely.
0: in the world rankings already being a year. Well, there you go. Years, yeah. you obviously heavily interrupted that period by, COVID as well. So that just goes to show what she's gone on to achieve. It's a good point you mentioned, though, about it clashing with the ANA inspiration, because obviously these amateurs can only be in one place at one time. You're not, you know, you're choosing between a, a major start and obviously the, the Augusta Women's Invitational, which is, is huge already and is only going to get bigger and it's the chance to go and play Augusta National. How do you make that decision when you're
1: an amateur? <laughs> what do you do? I mean, that's the, t- and that's the tough thing. That was, and obviously everything about the ANWAs, you know, the Augusta National and Canada, everything about it is positive. There, there is no downside to the event. It's great. Like I say, they are throwing yeah. so much money at it. They're throwing their support behind it. And then, and, but then you have this choice mm-hmm. and, and it's a really tough decision because it's like, you know, do you want $1,000 notes or do you want $1,000? Like it's like, what do you, you know, it's, it's yeah. really tricky to to pick between the two. Um, so I feel I feel for the fact that that's currently something that you know that could it's not going to make or break their year, but you're trying to build a tapestry of of understanding in the program before you turn pro to see where you where you fit. Um, yeah. and that's always I think if that's if that's your end game, that should be the priority. but who says no to Augusta?
0: <laughs> this is you want to be able to do both, don't you? Yeah,
2: that's the trick. That's the trick. I mean, May. Yeah. So it's what dreams are made of, isn't it? You look at it and it's just, looks like a fairy tale. It's like someone that's just been plucked out of thin air and just made, you know, like a dream scenario golf course to me anyway. But that's just, uh, mm. yeah.
1: But it's great. It's great that they're there. And it kind of, it's funny because you see, you see these things starting to pop up in the women's in women's sport elsewhere as well. You know, you look at um, where was it? November last year, I think it was when they were, so, there was, so this uh, the WSL, like the championship tour for, on the women's side, they were surfing at Honolua and there was a shark attack there. And so they had to move and they moved to Pipe. And it was like Carissa Moore versus Tyler Wright, Tyler coming back from injury. You can hear some of you know, my random sports interests coming through. But, um, and, and they both of them were so stoked to just be in the final at Pipe. And it was heavy and they were getting smashed and it was great, but they were just really happy to have... The tournament there for, for the first time, and um, there's just something bigger, bigger than the leaderboard when uh, when that happens. And I think we're still seeing you know the Anwar kind of build that mm-hmm. that resume um, in terms of its place in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're seeing it more widely as well. There was the ISPS Handa event down in Victoria when the men and the women played at the same time. We've got one the World Invitational with ISPS Handa. Coming over in Northern Ireland later this summer it will be the same thing. The Scandi Masters with Henrik Stenson, Annika Sorenstam are headlining. Megan McLaren is obviously very vociferous and, and creates a lot of buzz about making sure women are given. It's all about the same opportunities. That's all anyone wants in life is equal opportunities to go and chase their dreams, to achieve their goals, to, to have their career, to do what they want to do. Where do you feel we are right now? Because it does feel like we're heading very much in the right direction, but of course there is still more to do.
1: Well, there is, but there's actually, so there's something going on in Australia at the moment and it's kind of funny that this has come up because we hadn't planned about talking about it. Um, So there's this thing called the Players Series that's happening all around Australia at the moment and there have been two two proper events in the Players Series where men and women actually compete for the same trophy. Mm -hmm. So they set the courses up. And Jeff Ogilvie's been a, a massive hero for this as well, um, behind the scenes. And both of the tours, so the ISPS 100 PGA Tour of Australasia, the WPGA, which used to be the ALPG, if you can, I've just said half of the words in the alphabet, so good luck with that. Um, <laughs> just keep, you know, it's just a, it's a little rebrand. and uh, But they they've been setting up the courses. And so the first event was in Rosebud and there were guys and girls' names on the first page of the leaderboard. The second event was in Bonny Doon in Sydney. Uh, so Rosebud's down in um, about an hour outside of Melbourne in Victoria, down the south southern part of Australia. And then Sydney's a little higher up on the coast, obviously. But they had an event in Bonny Doon, which is very close to the airport there, and they didn't get it right. So by their own mark, there weren't, and it wasn't their fault. So the tea boxes weren't available on certain holes to actually Make it comparable. So a couple of short par fours. The guys are pulling driver. The girls couldn't hit driver by the green, so they had to lay up. Yeah. And and it was kind of interesting. I spoke to the CEO of the WPGA the week after, and she's like, "Yep, this is a learning week for us." And the, and she's so good because like all of the players really trust her to get it right, and she will. She Karen Lane used to play on the LET winner on the LET, um, you know, major champion, uh, won the Women's British, and so she is at the helm of this from the women's side overseeing it all. And we were talking about it and I said, can you put sponsors boards out on the fairway? You know, and she goes, well, for TV, it doesn't look great. I'm like, to be honest with you, if the sponsor boards are there, like it's a bit of TV magic. Like people at home probably won't really know. And she's like, yep, another idea we're going to put in the pile and we're going to take forward. So they're trying to work out. The formula which is actually really cool like it's i love how progressive they are with the vic open um amongst other things that we've tried in australia where we just have because we're such a small tour um we just have a we have an opportunity to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit and and be a bit experimental so that's that's something that i'm really excited about like because this is putting your money where your mouth is in terms of giving the guys a five iron giving the girls you know Either a four yeah. or five iron, you know, spin rates, Johnny. You know, you know all about that. Um, that oh, sometimes, yeah. you know, the harder you hit it, the more dispersion, et cetera. So I don't know if it has to be exactly even, but somewhat comparable. But that's um, yeah, that's something really cool happening back home at the moment. So I hope to see more of that.
2: You're gonna be yeah, uh, you're gonna be at the ISPS the uh, World Invitational.
1: I'm actually signed up for the Olympics,
2: oh, which, oh, which clashes.
1: Oh. I know, which is like. <laughs> obviously this year is it's like i don't know i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do after 2021 with the events that are on the schedule We've got solheim cup Ryder cup mm-hmm. both oh. women's open the men's open and the olympics i'm just honestly like kill me now hit, <laughs> yeah. well, don't, don't kill me now kill me after kill me don't, yeah. don't do it now yeah, yeah, the- don't do it now yeah.
0: oh, i that's, lied but that's the benefit of obviously last year was Horrible in many ways and, and a pretty big washout in terms of many golf tournaments, unfortunately, but we've had them all concertinaed now into this year into 2021 and it's going to be an incredible, incredible summer. You mentioned the Solheim Cup there um, as an Aussie, but obviously looking at, at European and American golf quite a lot playing LAT. How big was the Solheim Cup for you when you were growing up, um, but also when you became a pro, even though you couldn't directly sort of get involved with it?
1: Uh, for me, it's always been personal. Like, I've always had friends on the team. I've always, you know, I've had friends playing each other on the team. Um, and and we, we really watch it a lot. And, and I think in Australia, people are more aligned with Team Europe for whatever reason that is, I'm not, you know, and maybe it's probably it's a our heritage, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's probably because half of us have British passports. <laughs> <laughs> that, could, that could be it. Might be it for Europe. It's a good show. It's know. A good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there is a, an odd sense of ownership of, of the European side here in Australia, you know, and, uh, and an alignment there that, um, yeah, so it, it feels like you're in, for, for, even though we're so far out. Like we're so far away, but you kind of feel like you're, you're a part of it. So uh, yeah. But I've loved, I've loved watching the Solheim. Like it, for me, you know, obviously the Ryder cup is, is also incredible, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just different. It's different when, you know, when you've got your, your mates out there, um, which is something that, you know, I'm very privileged to be in that position to have friends that are really good at their jobs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've mentioned a few Aussie golf courses. You're down there now. We're talking to you across the world. Some amazing golf courses in Australia. I've never been, unfortunately. John, have you ever been to Australia?
2: I have. My pleasure. My cousin lives over in Perth, so I was able to go and play um, uh, Royal Fremantle down over there, which was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely loved it. I think uh, Royal Fremantle is where Greg Chalmers plays or used to play. I'm not quite sure. I might be a little bit out of sorts in my my geography, but I know, for one, you know, Royal Melbourne, uh, which is... I know yeah, Alison will tell you is one of the best golf courses. one I would love to play if I ever went over in that neck of the woods. Plus as many, I mean, they're gorgeous. I mean, radar keeps saying it all the time, how gorgeous it is everywhere. And, you know, working with Ali, you know, we had a great spell over in South Africa just gone, you know, um, and yeah, I was, I was envious that she was going back to nice warmer climates when I was going back to the cold and potentially able to play some golf. But, I know she's had a tough time as well, haven't you, Ali? You know, with regarding quarantine, quite a few times you've had to kind of uh, sit in a sit in a hotel room, and it's not been easy, has it?
1: No, I mean it's just part of the equation at the moment. To be honest with you, it's yeah. I think I've spent a month a month in quarantine out of the last three and a half months or something like that. Um, so it's been yeah, it's been a, a quite the stint. But at the same time, there's so many people that are stuck overseas yeah. that can't come and go, and I really like that—that's what gets me through it because I just—I know that it's a privilege to be able to come and go at all, and so you try and keep that in the forefront of your mind, and and you know you try not to order everything off the Uber Eats menu, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And I get to listen to the, you know, to you guys commentating when I'm not working, which is great. So you know, you you all keep me keep me entertained.
2: Oh no, you're a classic, honey. You're a classic girl. <laughs> and I tell you what, sort of going back quickly to. Uh, I mean, tell us what your favorite golf courses are in in Australia. Like Kit was saying,
1: uh, for me, uh, like I love Victorian golf courses. I have to say, I've, I've been so spoiled. So you mentioned Royal Melbourne. So I I grew up. I lived on the back of Royal. So my my parents' house is actually still on the back of Royal Melbourne. So you can imagine what I was like when the President's Cup was there, and I was working the President's Cup uh, for the World Feed in the end of 2019. It was it was. Heaven. Like it was oh. just honestly, uh, it was so cool to kind of, it's always cool to show off, <laughs> you know, your, your home course. I think, I think sure. that's something that a lot of people get a lot of pride in, you know, when to, various tours come and they stand and they watch how, uh, yeah. how the pros play it. And, and, you know, and it's a real showcase and it's got a lot of, a lot of memory. I grew up on the range there, which is like, how, where, what do you do? Like if I was not a golfer, what a waste. Like what a waste <laughs> of a, a spot on the range. Uh, <laughs>
2: It It looks phenomenal though. How does it actually play? I mean, it looks tough as old boots. It really does.
1: It's you have to think about every single shot, which is great, which I love um, because it's not overly long, especially if you play it in the heat, it really dries out. And so, you know, it's, you can, you can have a lot of wedges in, but you can miss greens, You can spin off greens with wedges. Uh, There's this brilliant par three that is literally a wedge for the guys and it's right up on the top of the hill. It depends which way you play it. I've always they've changed the composite about six different times. I think it was the sixth hole, but it's been the eighth in the past. Um, gosh, testing me now. But uh, yeah, they miss the green constantly with wedge with a wedge in their hand. I love it. I love that part of it. So the the strategy is unbelievable. But we've got some really cool golf courses springing up. Bamboogle, uh, down in Tasmania. You need to take about three dozen golf balls with you, but you'll love it. Somehow <laughs> you'll still enjoy it. Um, New South Wales Golf Club up on the coast um, is absolutely stunning. It's kind of like our version of Pebble Beach, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, You know, rocky outcrops, but it's it's a long list. Kalgoorlie, Kalgoorlie Golf Club, awesome green grass, bright red ochre dirt out in country WA. Like, there's really a bit of everything. We've got sand scraped greens where you rake, you know, you rake the sand on the green. Yeah, Yeah, I want to have a tournament on those. I feel like that'd be super cool to watch. Maybe that's
0: what my putting's missing. I've never tried putting (laughs) a sand green before. Maybe I'm a sand green specialist and I just haven't had the chance to discover that yet. Green grass greens aren't my calling. I'm going to put a bit of dirt in the back garden and practice and see if I
1: can uh, come on over come on over kit we take you in a heartbeat
0: so badly I can't even for for so many reasons not just golfing uh, everything cultural and and the nature and stuff I would go full Steve Irwin on on uh, some wild animals I love all that stuff. I'd be in the bush I'll be I'll be yeah. there for the snakes. It's on. a
1: hilarious it's a hilarious picture. Though. I was just thinking of um, the Vic Open because you, you don't even need a gopher. You can just go to a golf course to see these. So at the Vic Open every year they have a snake catcher. So they literally oh, have a guy oh, in his own cart with I think it's snake wrangler or snake <laughs> snake catcher written on the front and he gets work. Like he's constantly going around the course. And so Hannah Green, there's this picture online where um, it was on the 18th hole and there's kind of this sharp dog leg. And there's this set of trees on the right, and Greeny's hid underneath it. But right next to her is that beware snake sign, and she's just getting out like there's, no, <laughs> like there's nothing. I'm like legend Granny. Like it's <laughs> just a classic Australian photo. Um, but there's co- they're constantly pulling snakes out of that place. It's quite funny. Oh, do you remember?
2: Do you remember when we were at the Alfred Dunhill Championship in uh, Leopard Creek when uh, you were in the comms box with Tony and Boxy, and all of a sudden word got out there was a black mamba outside the comms box right and well talk about wet the bed shit the bed the whole lot it was like oh my goodness where are we looking where is it where is it looking at the door I mean we were coming back John did you see the black mamba is it out there no I haven't seen anything it's out there but my god unbelievable isn't it unbelievable yeah
1: they're big too they're huge I like I love that you talk about the snake we also had a leopard like we had a leopard near our compound, like literally kit. That's like true. It, it was like running through the compound on the corner of it. And then they just send this email out like, hey, just want to let you know, like a leopard's in the area. So don't go anywhere alone. And you're like, what? So like, what are you meant to me do with that?" <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and you got you got lovely Molly going, sure. come and get your lunch. <laughs> yeah, like hello, coming out to get my lunch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it. And leave it on the table. Let the wasps go into the air. to oh. the wildlife. Sausages to Every, that. Oh my gosh, that's it. Everyone went for the vegetarian option that day just so they wouldn't die.
0: Yeah. Oh, good golly really. gosh. Yeah, but oh. it, it
1: is. It's just what you're used to, though, isn't it? Like we, you know, I'm used to having to take a club out and bang it, walking into the trees because it's just part of the Aussie culture that you just want to, you know, you scare the snakes out. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just what you're, what you're accustomed to, I guess. I
0: love yeah, it. Is. Going back to your history, obviously growing up playing at Royal Melbourne, how old were you when you did first get into golf? Was that a
1: family thing? Was it from your parents? Uh, yeah, my my parents, my dad played, my grandfather kind of played, but they both you know got down to kind of sixteen mark in terms of their handicaps. But um, I had quite it's, Royal Melbourne's been a, a big part of my the whole reason I guess I got into golf. So my my mum and my sister and I were playing at Sandy. Uh, at Sandy Golf Course which is a public golf course right across the road like literally across the road it was it, and it's used as the car park during their big events yeah. uh, and so uh, I was over there playing with them and the head pro of Royal Melbourne came over in a cart with Bill Richardson, who was the general manager at the time, and I went to school with both of their sons. And so they've driven up to the first tee and they've just started heckling us, like, come on, you know, and they knew my mum as well. Come on, Kezzy. And, like, mum gets up and, she, like, she always did this really, like, interesting, like, setup thing where she kind of took the, put the ball up, uh, the club up and down a couple of times. She, like, wiggled her bum and then she'd hit. And so she bunts it down the fairway. My sister gets up, beautiful, elegant swing. She sweeps it down the fairway. I get up, hit it, and I distinctly remember hitting the trees. Like I hit it I, a decent way down there, but it went in the trees. It wasn't like my best driver or anything like that. And Bruce Green, the head pro there, who's like a Melbourne institution, he said, you're coming to see me the Monday after the President's Cup. Really? And so he's like, "You are, I'm going to coach you. And yeah. so had that not happened... Um, I'm not really sure how it all would have ended up. so it was a very serendipitous meeting and he, he coached me for for years and years until I got into the institutes and you know the, the Australian squads and that kind of thing where you kind of your, your management of your coaching kind of gets moved around a little bit but um, yeah he, he used to like coach people down the other end. I'd get dropped off after school and he just kind of keep an eye on me every now and then and he always bought people this is a really actually really good thing for coaches to do to certain, certain kids don't do it to everyone because you freak them out but um yeah. he always used to bring his his like his students over mm-hmm. so he'd be you know he'd bring over like a six-year-old guy and he'd be like Ali hit a couple hit me a draw and so and I was really constantly being watched and it and it, it was pressure practice in a lot of ways um, and I, and I think I grew up loving crowds probably because of that, because it was yeah. such a natural part of it, but yeah, he was a really, he was a really clever guy and it was so, just so good for my golf game, um, in so many ways. Yeah. So I was very, very spoiled. Amazing.
0: And I'm always interested for Australian golfers as to when you decide you're going to turn pro, you've obviously got a decision to make because with the greatest will in the world, you can't stay in Australia as if you want to get to the absolute highest level, you're going to the L.E.T. or the European tour or the LPGA, the PGA tour. So you have got to uproot and move and, and take your life somewhere else. How big a decision is that? And how do you sort of decide which route you are going over? Europe or America? What's the whole thought
1: process around that? It's um, it's really interesting that the first one you actually make from Australia now, um, now that it's more widely accepted, is whether you go to college first or not. Yeah. So that that for me I was take it was actually kind of taken out of my hands because um, I was playing for Australia at that point in time in the squads and then I went over to play in the US amateur and um, and ended up being seen by all of the talent you know all of the they weren't even talent scouts they were the actual college coaches that were out watching and while I was doing that so I played against you know Maria Jose Uribe who's LPGA player like I had a really terrible played against Stacey Lewis. Like I've had all of these really terrible opponents that I had to play in these matches. Um, but the good thing for me was that, you know, their coaches were out watching them at that point in time. And so I ended up getting exposure I didn't even realise I was getting at the time. And um, I played against Amanda Blumenhurst, who at that point in time was the best golfer in the country, um, best amateur in the country. And the head of Duke University was there watching her. And I ended up somehow managing to birdie the last two holes to beat her. And I was so glad I didn't know how good she was. I had no idea. She had a kind of a funky golf swing. And, um, but gosh, she was so like her ball striking was so good. And, um, yeah. And so I didn't, I had no idea. So I ended up getting recruited to go to Duke, which, which took that out of my hand because it was kind of like the baby steps. So I got used to living overseas with a, with a different support crew already built in, which was brilliant. But, um, yeah, for a lot of, for a lot of people, it's kind of ability that if, and as bad as that sounds, it's, it's you always go for both Q schools if you can if you can afford to your first year. Um, I'd much rather play on the LET than than the Symmetra Tour. Symmetra is really it's a massive slog. You pay five hundred bucks to play, so you're looking at ten thousand dollars in entry fees. Um, the purses are getting better, but sometimes you know in, historically the courses have been um, a little dodgy at times, and and I know that they've really improved that in the last five years. But uh, yeah, it, it's it feels like it's where a lot of good players get stuck. So I'd much rather kind of play in Europe and get that experience in all of the different golf courses. Um, but, the, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the LPGA is the biggest stage in the world. It's got the best money. Um, so, if, you know, like Minji Lee, Hannah Green, Suo, our, our next generation that are, have gone over there and already started winning, is um, they're certainly enjoying themselves. So their yeah. base counts. So, you know, no arguments there. But it is. It's an interesting choice. I guess it's a, about personality as well a little bit yeah. here. Yeah. What
2: was it? How intense was it at Duke University? Because you were studying philosophy,
1: wasn't it? Or psychology, I should say, was it? Psychology. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yes. It's interesting because it's a small school for how good the sporting team is. And, yeah. and the women's golf team have won more national championships than the basketball team, which is what the school's known for. And so it's quite this, like, it's, it's actually a great trivia question. Like, if you're at the pub and you find, like, someone that knows a lot about Duke basketball or college basketball, and you go, oh, you know, at Duke, you know, which team's won the most amount? No one's saying women's golf. <laughs> like, no, no one's picking it. So you, you're guaranteed a drink. Like, you can thank me later. Um, yeah. so just, just throw thank that little nugget out as, as a bet. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, the school's, the school's ridiculous because everyone in the year is, they were all duckses and they were all the best you know, they they worked incredibly. They were like student body pre- presidents and that kind of thing. So you're you're in with this pod with these um, these really fabulously intellectual people, and then you've got the sporting side of it as well, which is um, which almost seems like the bonus because of how good the education is. Yeah, definitely. In your program,
0: mm-hmm. what would have been the highlights for you? Looking back now, what are the fondest memories?
1: Uh, I've got I've got a couple, but I guess. For me I I contended in in Austria one year and I played with I had uh, my friend Vicky Lang a Scot Scottish girl on the on the bag I'd felt terrible going into that week it's so funny the things that I I'd actually I was going through a breakup um the weeks before this event like right before this event and it's so funny because like I always know these things that are going on behind the scenes and obviously you can't as a broadcaster you can't say yeah. you know oh yeah she got dumped like it's like <laughs> yeah or, she's had, she's had a bad round but you know give her a break it's not been a good you week. Know. in general <laughs> I know yeah what are you gonna say like and yeah. it's also obviously it's you know it's conf- you know it's comes back to your friendship and your confidential you know side of uh of, of said friendship but I yeah so essentially I was like I was just gutted like I remember I was going back and this is gonna sound, make me sound like a real a hooligan and I'm really not but like I'd go back to my room i had a little travel guitar with me i was playing the guitar i'd like have a couple of beers but i pretty much kept to myself and kept my energy to myself that week which is not like me at all um because yeah. we usually i was i was think i was known as the social coordinator of the let while i was out there but um, <laughs> an unpaid position actually it actually cost me money because i bought too many drinks but anyway um and so yeah, I was in Austria and um, and that week I, c- I couldn't could not find the center of the club face in the lead up. Found something good on the Wednesday. Went out, and played really well the first couple of rounds, and then yeah, was in the final group going into the last day, and didn't have a great last day. But it was just unfamiliar territory, and uh, and I ended up holding out my third shot on the final hole for Eagle, which was pretty cool. And the crowd went wild. And, you know, I did my best Carrie impersonation, (laughs) uh, which, which was pretty fun for me. But aside from that, it's just been, you know, like we've just had so many stories and it's funny because you don't really necessarily remember, you know, this, the 67 that you shot, but you remember, like, I remember taking Anne Van Damme out for karaoke. (laughs) Like we went out when she won, we went out to karaoke and it was hilarious. Like, she is a ripping girl, but she's not a great singer, which made it even better. And you know, I, I think when I look back, and I and I knew that about myself anyway. I guess that it, it was probably the reason why I didn't I didn't reach the peaks of golf because my I think so much of my priorities w- were elsewhere. I don't think I could ever f- focus enough of my energy um, into the game. And uh, yeah, but I just I, I just loved I loved the life, I guess. So they're the stories that I'll look back on.
2: I may I, I remember your karaoke. Actually, sat on the veranda at um, Leper Creek, where um, <laughs> we were at uh, the Bahala Lodge. <laughs> kicked off, and I remember our producer <laughs> Russell Dawson singing singing "Zombie," and uh, we were just in fits because he was really serious and really careful. Zombie, zombie, yeah, zombie. And then you were really good. What did you sing? Because Molly was the best, wasn't she? Molly was the best. She just ripped. Yeah, Molly's our
1: Molly's our legendary production manager, one of one of them. Yeah. Um and we yeah, we got on a Disney run, I think it was. We also did we got into musicals. I but I was just happy that Russell didn't kill us all that night. I've yeah. never seen a guy who's so lovely and gentle turn into a serial killer while he was singing. Yeah. Like this, it was it was unganny, the look in his eye. Um oh, and it's yeah. you know. He, he's the, one of the main guys that's bringing the pictures. Like if you're watching the European tour, we have three really great producers um, in, in David Mould. Um, you know, we've got Mike Crow as well and Russell Dawson. And, they, and they're the main guys behind the scenes. They don't get enough credit uh, for yeah. what they do and for, for the light and shade that they bring off the mic as well. Uh, gosh, that was, yeah, that was my birthday Danny, night. Actually, Danny wasn't Paul, yeah. it? That was my birthday.
2: It was your birthday. It was Danny Currier and Danny Hackett as well did a duo, didn't they? And they were good as well. I remember that. That was really They were
1: really great. Good. Yeah, they Cheers were good. to that. Cheers to that. Yeah. yeah so no, well, uh... so the, the, my collective memory will usually uh, be something along those lines, I guess. It's probably because I didn't win much. <laughs> but, but, you know, I guess a lot of people have trophy memories. When And if you don't have a trophy, then you just remember holding the pitcher of whatever the drink was up on the Sunday night instead. So, those you know. are the
0: more fun memories. I like the sound of the karaoke ones, the oh. picture of drink memories rather than the trophies, definitely. Um, and now, of course, you're a broadcaster and commentator. How did you find your way into that world?
1: Oh, I, to be honest with you, I've just, I've been really lucky. Um, in terms of being in the in the right place at the right time in various spots in my career. Like we talked about, you know, the Royal Melbourne, the college coach thing. Like I, I just felt like for whatever reason, the stars have aligned really well for me along the way. Uh, and obviously you have to do things with with those opportunities, but but they were, you know, it was just really lucky. Um, so for me, it was in Xiamen in China where I'd played, uh, I think it was 20... Must have been 2015, maybe uh, 2014, end of tw- any tw- end of 2014, and I played in the morning. It was my birthday. So I don't, I'm like, I'm not 85. I don't keep having birthdays. <laughs> You've uh, got a, love birthday just, You've yeah, got a I one. under. Uh, like well, okay. but does it's,
0: it for free drinks. It's my birthday week. next week.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I've got different IDs if I want different <laughs> drinks. That's it. Uh, I've got all the tricks, guys. Um, I should write a book. But no, so it was my birthday. It was a Sunday in China. I played really early. Um, I had tonsillitis at the time. I didn't realise, but I just felt like, you know, I felt pretty bad. And um, the producers were trying to find someone to fill in for the afternoon coverage for the L.E.T. And they came up to me and they're like, look, you know, a couple of people put your name forward thinking that you'd be great at this, Um, but we'd really love a European voice. And I said, no dramas. I was sitting at lunch. I was stoked. You know, I'm just at the buffet. I'm like, I'll still be here. And, uh, and so they come back and I'm like, go and try and find a European voice. Like, I can be your backup. I won't be offended. And luckily for me, they didn't find someone because I filled in that afternoon. And and by the end of the day, they'd offered me a contract for the next year if I if I didn't want to play any more golf. So uh, that was all somehow all it took, uh, which, was, which was amazing. And then everything kind of, you know, I think nine months later, I was doing the Solheim Cup in Germany, and so it's it's all just really springboarded from there. Which is um, which I still don't know how it's happened, to be honest with you. And it's happened also quickly, but um, I'll certainly take it, and I'll and I'll just try and do a good job. Uh,
2: you're brilliant, Ali. You're I brilliant,
1: girl. Really enjoy listening to brilliant,
0: you. Brilliant girl. You've been excellent on the European tour coverage I've seen, and the ladies' golf as well. Oh, thanks, Kit. Um, I know with John, certainly, it's going into that side of things it enables you to continue to be part of the tour and to continue to be out there socially and seeing your mates, without the pressure of playing for your wage, you're there talking about it. yeah. And I know John loves that side of things. And I get the impression actually talking to you, this is the first time we've ever spoken about it. You're probably in a cut from a very similar mold as as Mr (laughs) Morgan is, in terms of uh, life and soul of the party, wanting to be in and amongst it and just having plenty of passion and enthusiasm for the sport as well as the knowledge as well to back it up so I think you've definitely fallen on your feet and into the right thing because you obviously bring that to the broadcasting and and that's so much of I think what is needed to to convey that to the watching public is you want to get that passion, that enthusiasm, a storyteller, someone who's at the centre of things so I think you're two peas in a pod to use a term (laughs) John. John would roll out.
1: No, I think like my whole so in my whole philosophy on it, it stems from something that happened again in surfing where um, I was down at the Rip Pro, which is at Bell's Beach, like iconic event on the surfing tour. And and I'm not I, I'm making it sound like I'm a good surfer. I'm really I'm really not. Like you know I can't get up on a short board. I can get up on a long board. But I think you know Aussies growing up near the water, there is um, there's definitely you know I, I guess it's just part of your part of your childhood in a way but but I was down there and someone said to me oh have you met Steph Gilmore and I was like no I've never met never met her why and she goes oh she plays golf and she and she loves guitar you guys would really get along and ever since then since that moment anytime there is a leaderboard or there's something about surfing or something about Steph Gilmore I've looked because that's what people gravitate towards they gravitate towards people that are like them but if you don't know the details behind them then how do you get people to care and so yeah. I don't know I guess like that that was a really pivotal point for me where I went all right I think these you know you've got to strike the balance but I just I do think that that's that's part of it why why should you why, what's the difference between Imbi Park and Jin, Jin Young Co for a lot of people well this and this you know like you, you kind of have to you've got to paint the picture of the person to get to get people to care about more than the
0: numbers. 100%, every golfer's got a story, every person's got a story and you wanna paint that picture for people and give them a reason to care and and look at any golfer when they're on screen and know more about them just than the the score that's in the top left-hand corner and and what clothes they're wearing that day. You want them to know them as a character and as a person and build that relationship with the viewer. I think that's absolutely spot on. Hey, it's been an absolute blast to have you on and chat and look forward to the first major of the season and get into a bit of Aussie golf and the ladies game and your history. It's been great. So thank you so much for coming on, Ali. John's just putting his hand up, so he must have something else uh, to just, say. I
2: just wanted to say a big thank you as well, Ali, before he, he does his little intro right? you know, um, exit. But thank you very much, mate. I know you're probably knackered. It's really late there. What's the time now, girl? What's the time? No,
1: I'm a, I'm a night owl. It's 20 past midnight here. Is it So,
2: Imagine. yeah, but
1: that's, I mean, that's, that's not, that's not bad for me, you know, yeah. that. but I, I will say about you, John is one of the things, and I'm sure that the listeners of your show have worked this out by now that you can't seem to be as nice as, as Johnny Morgan and, and not be oh. as nice as Johnny Morgan. And he has been a massive safety blanket and a cushy, like, cuddle bunny for a lot of, and I'm going to make, now that I've said that, this is going to sound creepy because I was going to say for a lot oh, no, sorry, of us just female broadcasters, <laughs> this is not one of those me. moments. This is not one of those moments. This is all, you know, it's all positive. But, you, you know, he, he is such a big supporter in terms of trying to help us find our feet in the men's game behind the scenes that any time he's around we feel comfortable and I, you know, so obviously this is a bit of a gush party now, but like you know, he gets he gets Thank a big tick from me right back, mate. Hey, so yeah, awesome.
2: no. Thanks, Ali. Straight back out, your
0: love. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening as well. This has been the Filthy Lip Out Golf Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Filthy Out. If you are new to us, go back and have a listen. We've spoken to loads of amazing people over the previous 38 episodes. Uh, please do subscribe leave your reviews some nice five-star ratings if you've enjoyed it and we will see you next time
2: cheerio